Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. So uh, last week, there was a um, news article that kind of stumped me. Uh, it, it told of this, that, that there were climate activists that slashed tires on 40 SUVs in New York City on the Upper East Side neighborhood. Um, and, and they left flyers uh, on each vehicle asking the owner not to take it personally. <laughs> and the note went on to say this, we did this because driving around urban areas in your massive vehicle has huge consequences for others. The world is facing a climate emergency and we're taking actions in our own hands because our governments and politicians will not. And the group then also noted this, that they would slash tires of electric and hybrid vehicles as well since they also leave a carbon footprint. Makes you have to wonder, do, do, do any of them have cars or what? Well, I bring that up because who gets to judge? what is right and wrong in our country. Do I or someone else get to decide for everyone? Do presidents or governors and mayors uh, get to decide? Or, or congresses and councils? Or, or law enforcement personnel? Or, or maybe we could just let you know, Judge Judy or Frank Caprio make judgments. Uh, I prefer them over many others. Um, or should everything go all the way to the Supreme Court? We live in a largely relativistic culture where many people these days would like to think that they have the right uh, to do anything that they want as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else. However, determining if their actions will hurt anyone else or just who or what that will be isn't always so simple. And so it's necessary for us to have laws to restrict individuals' actions and to have law enforcement to make sure that they do and, and to have courts and judges to ensure that the rule of law was carried out fairly. And thus, in our land, um, the United States of America, we have really three branches of government. We have the legislative branch that makes laws uh, by consensus or by compromise. Uh, we have the executive branch that enforces laws through oversight of the law enforcement areas. And then we have the judicial branch that interprets the laws and applies them based on previously established standards. And this three-branch system than exists really in, in local and state and in national levels. A couple weeks ago I shared a message with you from the Old Testament book of Judges, um, that fascinating account of God calling Gideon. And, and Gideon was one of 12 people often referred to as judges of Israel before the days where Israel had kings. And so that study kind of led me to reading some more in the book of Judges. And, and before we look again in that book today, let me just ask you this. Why do we need judges at all in biblical days or today? It, it comes down to this. It, it is because of the sinful condition of the human heart. And, and along with that, then, the tendency toward deception and manipulation and injustice at all levels, even in all the branches of government. Recently, the judicial branch in our country has been much in the news uh, due to a couple of very significant Supreme Court decisions. 
and they've ruled concerning then previous actions of various branches of government, including previous Supreme Court decisions. I want to refer back to that a bit today, but first let us anchor this in what I share today by looking at Judges chapter 2. I invite you to stand in reverence to God's word as we read there. Judges chapter 2, beginning with verse 6. When Joshua had dismissed the people, the sons of Israel went each to his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua, who had seen all the great work of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Then Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the territory of his inheritance in Timnath-Herez in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gesh. And all of that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them and bowed themselves down to them. And thus they provoked the Lord to anger. And so they forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Ashtoreth. And, and the people of the Lord burnt, excuse me, and the anger of the Lord burned against Israel. And he gave them into the hands of plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies around them so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had spoken and as the Lord had sworn to them so that they were severely distressed. Then the Lord raised up judges who delivered them from the hands of those who plundered them. And yet they did not listen to their judges, for they played the harlot after other gods and bowed themselves down to them. And they turned aside quickly from the way in which their fathers had walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do as their fathers. When the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed and afflicted them. But it came about when the judge died that they would turn back and act more corruptly than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. And they did not abandon their practices or their stubborn ways. And so the anger of the Lord burned against Israel. And he said, because this nation has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers and has not listened to my voice, I also will no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died in order to test Israel by them whether they will keep the way of the Lord and walk in it as their fathers did or not. And so the Lord allowed these nations to remain, not driving them out quickly, and he did not give them into the hand of Joshua. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for this, your word. Lord, you tell us in the New Testament that you give us these examples in the Old Testament as uh, things that we would learn from. And so we pray that that would be the case for each one of us today, that we would learn from examples of past history. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Judges judge based on established standards of right and wrong. And that is the role of a judge. Not to make the standards him or herself, but to make judgments based on already established standards. And, and that was true in biblical days, even when they didn't have three separate branches of government. And it's true in our country today where we do. 
just what are those established standards? Well, in our country, though we were founded upon many godly principles, yet it is not the Bible in which judges take a vow to uphold. It's, it's the U.S. Constitution of 1787. And in your insert there, I, I inserted the preamble of the Constitution, which states this. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, and provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. And so this Constitution is composed of seven articles and, and of various amendments added over the years, including a, a Bill of Rights, which the Supreme Court is to rule then based upon. So, for instance, one of the uh, recent Supreme Court decisions was determined then by re-examining the Constitution to see if, for instance, the Constitution grants the executive branch authority in this area of environmental protection standards. And their answer was no, it's not in the Constitution. It does not give the, the uh, president or the executive branch um, the right to rule in that area through the EPA. And so then if federal standards are to take place in this area, it must be Congress that enacts that. Another decision recently from the Supreme Court on establishing, or was based in on, on looking at the Constitution to see if the Supreme Court was granted the authority there to determine if abortion must be legal in all 50 states. And again, they found the Constitution didn't grant that authority to the Supreme Court. And therefore, Roe versus Wade of 50 years ago was overturned. And laws concerning abortion will again be determined at the state level. You see in those cases, for example, then the Supreme Court acts as the protector and the, uh, the interpreter of the U.S. Constitution, that previously established standard. Well, we as Christians can certainly rejoice in, in this Supreme Court decision as we hope and pray that it will result in, in less abortions and, and the lives then of many more innocent infants in the womb being saved. But we rejoice because we also recognize that there is a higher law that is also honored by this decision. And there is a higher judge than the Supreme Court of our land. And that is the Supreme Judge of the universe. And so let's think about that some more here. Let's consider lesser judges and the Supreme Judge. Our text today recognizes the Supreme Judge of all mankind as it tells us how after Joshua and the elders died, then verse 11 says, then the sons of, of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. He's the Supreme Judge. This, this moral judgment then of evil lifestyle of the Israelites comes um, there and, and over and over again in, in Scripture um, where it says things like they did evil in the sight of the Lord. Um, and, and in Judges chapter 11, uh, verse 27 there, it actually words it this way. It, it calls him or it calls God the, the judge. May the Lord the judge judge today between the sons of Israel and the sons of Ammon. Well, back here in chapter 2 of Judges, it tells us then the supreme judge raised up other judges, lesser judges among the people. Judges that are under the supreme judge. 
And remember now, judges judge based on established standards of right and wrong. And those Old Testament judges, such as Gideon, then didn't have a constitution by which to judge like we do in our country. But they did have ten points of reference, you might say, the, the Ten Commandments given to Moses and to the children of Israel on Mount Sinai. And in the book of Judges, then, the supreme judge reminds the people of Israel that they're breaking the law. They're breaking the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And it tells us about that. Look at verse 11 here. Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord God. They followed other gods. And that provoked the Lord to anger. We see... In Judges, as you read through the book here, this disturbing pattern that is there. And it's a pattern that still goes on today, uh, unless we very deliberately guard against it. And so, look with me at this here, this, this generational moral decline that's described in this book. And there it tells us how the first generation, made up of Joshua and the elders and their peers, um, had seen the great work of the Lord, which he'd done for Israel. Uh, they, they had seen some of the, uh, God's amazing protection and, and provision. How he had, for instance, then sent the plagues on Egypt so that at last Pharaoh would let them go and they'd be released from their 400 years of slavery in Egypt. Um, they had experienced God parting the Red Sea for them to cross and then sending it back down on Pharaoh's army. They, they had known God's amazing provision of water from a rock in the wilderness and, and daily manna from heaven to feed them for 40 years. They had seen the Lord hold back the waters of the Jordan River so they could walk right through into the promised land. And so we're told here in verse 7 here that, that this generation then served the Lord all of the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that survived after Joshua because they had seen the great work of the Lord that he'd done for Israel. But Joshua and then all of that generation died and were buried. Just like one after another of the generation that is above me are dying and are buried. And so now it is my generation and those after mine that need to carry on to, to pass the baton. And the question is, will we do so? Will the generation after us do so? And what we see here in Judges is that they didn't. The second generation did not know the Lord, it says, or, or the work he had done for Israel. And they did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals, and they forsook the Lord. And they followed other gods instead. And there is a danger, you see, in not knowing or caring about history. We are then destined to make the same mistakes of generations past. And so we who are parents have a sacred obligation to, to model a personal living faith and, and to talk about our own personal relationship with God and, and what God has done for us so that our children might grow up knowing about God and, but also knowing him personally as well. And, and we as a congregation of believers have a responsibility to each other to live out that faith and, and to teach the children that are entrusted to us so they come to know not just about God but also to know him personally as well. And our hope and our prayer then is that as these young folks go through Sunday school here and go through confirmation, instruction, and so on, that the end result would be that they each can give a personal testimony of their own living personal faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. 
and relating to that in confirmation here, we are very seriously considering changing, or actually I should say expanding, our confirmation um, instruction here to, to include three years, uh, beginning even with this fall, uh, with, with the first year then being a Bible overview, and the second being going through the catechism, and the third really uh, apologetics, where, where they learn then various or how to answer various challenging questions to the faith. In our country, many of us in our lifetimes have seen a pattern of generational moral decline, similar to what we see really in the book of Judges, that's been happening all around us. And we've seen communities where we lived, um, where there was a majority of the population that attended church, and now there's a majority that clearly don't. Well, what's behind all that? I think the same pattern as in the book of Judges. You have the first generation, a generation that knows God personally and experiences him and doing things in their lives. But if plenty of them don't pass on the baton, then the next generation um, maybe hears kind of secondhand about what God has done sometime back in history, but they didn't really come to know God personally. And they maybe kept their loose affiliation and membership in a church, but they didn't really go much. And so other things then, than God get a hold of their hearts. And what tends to follow that? Well, in Judges, we see that then the third generation, verse 19, turned back and acted even more corruptly than their fathers in following other gods. See, when people reject God, what's left for God to do to get their attention? Verse 14 here says that when the second generation forsook God and went after other gods, God's righteous anger burned against them and he gave them into the hands of plunderers who plundered them and sold them into the hands of enemies around them. You see, God, the supreme judge, brought consequences upon them and they were plundered and, and even sold as slaves. Um, and verse 15 goes on to say then the result was this, that they were severely distressed. And now when the third generation acted even more corruptly than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and bow down to them, and then when prophets and judges came to speak God's word to them and they didn't listen, they continued in their own stubborn ways, what was left for God to do? It tells us that he ceased blessing them and he let the enemies live among them and constantly harass them. And so amazingly what God chose to do then was to use evil to train his people and to draw them back to him. By, by being oppressed, they would see their need for God. Do you see the pattern? that happened over and over in this book of Judges. And it's happened over and over in human history since then. And, and you know, on the one hand, this is discouraging because it, it will always be this way to some extent, this generational drift and, and moral decline is gonna happen because of the sinfulness of human hearts. And that if left to their own natural tendencies, they will drift away from the Lord and they'll pursue other things instead. But on the other hand, it doesn't need to be this way. If people will respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, he seeks to draw people back to God. And what we see in Judges is that in times when people are severely distressed, they cry out to God for help. And he has an unending heart of compassion, and he answers their prayers, and he sends a deliverer. And so let's take a look at that by just considering then the role of the judges here in this book of Judges. 
These judges didn't, for the most part, uh, sit in a courtroom with a robe on and pound their gavel and render verdicts in that way. But no, there were various ones, men like Othniel and Ehud and Gideon and Jephthah and Samson and also a, a woman named Deborah. They were judges in, in this way. They, they declared God's word concerning right and wrong to people that didn't seem to know that or didn't hear it. They laid it out there even when it wasn't popular and some of them declared the wrongness then of false gods and all of them pointed them to the true God and the need for people to humble themselves and to ask for his help. And these judges also delivered from the oppressors. And that's why these stories are so fascinating, Gideon and other examples, because they were God's answer to the desperate cries of his oppressed people. And God raised up each of them as deliverers, often then as leaders in battle, leaders who led against incredible odds. But in God's power, they won amazing victories. And over and over, we see this pattern in the book of Judges. After God used these judges to gain victory over the enemies, then the people would enjoy peace and prosperity for 40 to 80 years until those judges died and that generational decline happened all over again. We need to pause and, and get some New Testament perspective here at, as we come toward the close and recognize as, just as those individuals, those judges were deliverers for God's people in the New Testament, what we are so clearly pointed to is that Jesus is our great deliverer. He is the ultimate answer to the cries of people who have drifted from God and who are oppressed by sin and, and helpless to free themselves. He is the one that was sent from the Father, who, as we read earlier in Colossians chapter 1, he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. And for all then who will look to Jesus, there is forgiveness for past sin and, and there is victory if we will continue to look to him. And he is able to break the cycle and to keep us strong in daily faith walk with God. So one more thing that we need to address as we think about this theme in the book of Judges. And that is as you look ahead, there is the final judgment by the supreme judge. There is coming a day when all human judges will hang up their robes, when the Supreme Court of our land will be done dealing with selfish humans and, and government leaders and systems that are prone to corruption, a, a day when all will stand before the Supreme Judge and he will render a verdict for each one. And, and that verdict will be based not on weighing how many good deeds compared to how many bad deeds, like some think, but, but it will be based on what they did with the great deliverer that... God sent. Jesus himself said this. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death and into life. And so the question we need to ask and really that everybody in the world should ask is, am I ready to face the supreme judge? The one who has the power to cast into hell or to welcome into heaven. One day all of mankind will answer to him. So how can I be ready? Well, by recognizing who he is and who we are. He is ultimately in control, we are not.
He gets to set the standards of right and wrong. I do not. He says, I've broken those standards in my thoughts and words and my deeds, and, and I deserve the punishment or the judgment of hell. But he also, in love and compassion, has offered that all repentant sinners may know forgiveness and be granted eternal life. Because he, the judge, you see, took off his robe and, and offered to take the punishment on himself. And that's what Jesus did when he went to the cross. And, and so as we come to a close of our service today, uh, we remember what he did for us on the cross. And, and we, in partaking of the Lord's Supper, have this opportunity then to, to personally receive Jesus himself in, with, and under the bread and the wine. And, and through this sacrament then, all repentant sinners, um, he offers to strengthen our assurance that our sins are forgiven and, and that we're ready to face our maker and our judge whenever our time comes. Let us pray. Lord, I do thank you for the Old Testament, for the fascinating accounts in the book of Judges. And as we look at some of those characters, Lord, those are Bible stories I learned as a kid and they caught my attention. But Lord, as we consider what it's all about, we pray that each one of us would understand that, that uh, generational decline that so easily happens and the need to pass on uh, the faith. Uh, and not that we can completely do that. We can teach and instruct and, and live it out in front of people, but each heart has to respond to you as well. And Lord, I pray that your word today would, would uh, be speaking to each heart and that there, if there be those here today or listening online that are not ready, to face the supreme judge someday. We don't know how long we have on this earth, Lord. We pray that you would prompt them to respond to you in recognizing their sinfulness, their, their tendency to stray away from you and, and to make other things more important than you, God. And, and Lord, we pray that as we humble ourselves and, and seek your forgiveness, that you would then assure us the promises of your word. And as we partake of communion today, that our sins are forgiven and that we're ready to face you whenever that time comes. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.